Shake Season 3, Episode 25. want to welcome everybody in. Do us a huge favor. Hit that like, subscribe button wherever you get your podcast from. Hop over to the Garage Takes YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there as well. Like the videos, comment. That's the the best way for us to continue to grow the podcast. And um, it has certainly grown this year. So we want to continue to do that. And we appreciate your support uh, throughout season three. And it's been an awesome season three. Season three brought us a Michigan national championship. It brought us uh, the Lions 30 minutes away from a Super Bowl appearance. And I, I'll chalk that up to a to, to a garage takes win here in uh, season three. So on that note, I want to transition right in here. We've got a new head coach at the University of Michigan, former offensive coordinator Sharon Moore will take the reins as Jim Harbaugh heads to the Chargers. Um, He's got a tall, tall task ahead of him, Brant. I mean, um, Jim Harbaugh, many will will continue to consider the uh, the savior of Michigan football. Big, big, big shoes to fill back to back to back wins against Ohio State. Big Ten championships, and then capped off his final year with a national championship. Um, Sharon Moore always seemed like the guy. He seemed like that was a, a shoe in. It was, uh, you know, we saw him when he had to take over the the team in just a, a moment's notice, like literally ninety minutes before uh, before kickoff against Penn State. He did it. Um, coached really, really well. Made some crazy in game adjustments. Beats Penn State. Um, once eked out one against Maryland and then beat Ohio State. And it's like, okay, this guy can can coach in, in the big moments. But Brant, what we haven't seen is, you know, there's a huge difference between Sharon Moore winning football games under Jim Harbaugh's program. And what I mean by that, under Jim Harbaugh's coaches, his players, recruits, all of that, just his, that was the Jim thumbprint over everything. And the challenge in front of Sharon Moore now is making this the Sharon Moore football program. As he said in his opening press conference, he's not Jim Harbaugh. He loves him. He appreciates everything, but he's got to be himself and say authentic and true to who he is. And I think that will bode well with him. I mean, the players absolutely love Sharon. I don't think that's going to be the issue, but he he's going to have, he's got some, some steep challenges up ahead of him. I mean, first you talk about the amount of players that are headed uh, to the NFL. Luckily, as of now, as we're recording this, there hasn't been a mass exodus of players, you know, as we've seen with other programs. I think that is uh, something to to not just gloss over, but to acknowledge and, and say, like, we're not that we're totally unscathed here, but that's seeming pretty good. Uh, I'd say the two biggest massive losses for Sharon Moore to, to have to look at to replace will be losing Jesse Minter uh, to the NFL to follow Jim Harbaugh, which I think we all kind of thought would happen. But then the big one is uh, Ben Herbert, the strength and conditioning coach, which for those of you that don't pay real close attention to the ins and outs of Michigan football, you may just tune in for the games. 
it's a huge loss. I mean, you ask the players, um, ask Jim Harbaugh himself, who, who do they credit so much of their success to? It's Ben Herbert. Um, it's his off-season conditioning and programming that he does, a motivator for these guys. It's who they spend the most time with out of anybody on that staff. Um, it sounded like in Sharon Moore's press conference that there was optimism he would come back. That wasn't the case. You found out, you know, not even 24 hours after that, that uh, he was also going to be following Jim Harbaugh to the NFL. And look, you can't be mad at these guys or anything. They're doing what's best for them. This is what happens when you run a good football program with good assistant coaches. This is it. But um, as Jim Harbaugh and that staff kind of steps out, insert Sharon Moore and Brant, I want to know. What do you see uh, just kind of on the surface now with Sharon Moore taking the reins of this thing? What challenges do you see in front of him? And do you think that he can sustain the success that, that Jim Harbaugh has created here at the University of Michigan? Quick answer for sustaining success, no. I mean, it's not going to be at the level of national championship uh, basically national championship winner. I don't expect Michigan to win the national championship next year. I expect him to, to make the playoff. That's a whole different deal. Um, however, with the turnover at quarterback, uh, Dave, you didn't even talk about the roster really. I mean, you talked about the coaches leaving. I understand that. And that is a big loss, and that's where he's got to start this offseason. However, the roster turnover is going to be intense, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Blake Quorum and JJ McCarthy both walk out of the door. Roman Wilson also leaves. Uh, so really your top three players, what you feel on offense, walk out the door, not to mention the likes of a Zach Zinner, Trevor Keegan, um, also will not be back. So Dave, I, I, I just think it's important to remember to maybe temper your expectations of what you're going to see on the field. And that doesn't mean that Roman Moore is not going to be a great coach. Um, you know, his, who he brings in this offseason will be important, but it it is going to be looked at in a different light than, hey, this should be a national championship contender. And I know it feels a little weird because the last two or three years, it, it feels like this team is competing for national championship, and they were. Um, you know, in 2021, they ran into the buzzsaw known as Georgia, and, um, you know, things didn't go in their favor, but... Uh, I don't think it's fair to say to Sharon Moore, we expect what Jim Harbaugh gave us. Jim Harbaugh, before he made the college football playoff, was in year seven. Let's remember that. Let's put that into context. It's important to remember how long it took Jim Harbaugh to get this team where it needed to be. And he had to change a little bit about himself, and I think we should expect Sharon Moore um, to have to, to face some challenges and to probably shape who he is as a coach, as a you know, as helping in the play calls. He's an offensive guy, right? Um, but I think one important thing is uh, as Ben Herbert walks out the door, and Dave, you, you, you touched on how important he is to the program, his assistant steps into that position, and, and so it's somebody in-house. And I think as far as strength and conditioning goes, in-house right there in that spot is going to be vital. I think that's very important that you get a guy that learned from Ben Herbert to, to fill that role. Um because it's not anything that you have to do yourself. It's it's kind of just taking the blueprint Ben Herbert laid out and said, hey, man, this is what I did. I think you should run the same kind of program. It's pretty much known as the best in the country. So I, I don't think there's too much uh, a mixing up the sauce that's in the recipe there. I think that's pretty much going to stay the same. And um, 
the offensive defensive coordinators. He's searching right now. He's going to figure it out. Uh, and the nice thing for him is Michigan's going to be willing to dole out the money for for offensive and defensive coordinators. There's not a question about that. He's going to have like an unlimited bankroll, I believe, to go out and get whoever he wants. You're owning Ohio State right now. You own the Big Ten. You own college football right now. There's no reason to not go out and get the best in the business to get them into Ann Arbor. And that's what I want to see, Dave. And as far as the roster retention goes, I think that some of the recruits will actually like what Sharon Moore brings to the table. I don't know if it's going to be more music at practice. Maybe Sharon Moore can relate better than God knows Jim Harbaugh. Maybe he doesn't need a sleepover at a house, but you know, maybe he can talk to him on a different level than Jim Harbaugh could. Uh, I just think that some of the Harbaugh recruiting tool was Ben Herbert. It was some of the younger coaches in the room. Maybe Sharon Moore is that younger coach that doesn't exactly need to have all the assistants around him to bring in the roster talent. So, and I especially think that transfers in this day and age, Dave, they're, they're everything pretty much. I mean, yeah, you're going to still want to grow. Your pipeline is still going to be through recruiting and doing that, but the transfers, and I think Sharon Moore can, can absolutely land some big time transfers. Uh, so, you know, I think the program is in great condition. I think that Sharon Moore is just going to take that next step, although it may be a step back. I hope we take a step backwards next year to take two the year after that. And I, I will think piggyback that Michigan right off need of that because I completely agree. Um, before I get into what I was going to say, do me a huge favor. If you're listening with us on YouTube right now, hit that subscribe button, jump in the comments, let us know what you think here about this Sharon Moore hire. Um, yeah, I, I think what I would say to, to Michigan fans is preach patience. And I think it is way easier to be patient in January and to say, like, look, I mean, Brant, the fact of the matter is if Jim Harbaugh was here next year, I, I would have tempered my expectations for next year because of who left from the roster. Okay. Like it was, I don't want to call it a down year, but yeah, it's going to be a down year from just winning a national championship. And I think what Sharon Moore was going to be a challenge is look at the last three years of the Jim Harbaugh era. It was like they 11 in one season, they beat Ohio, they beat Ohio state. They made it to the college football playoffs after winning a Big Ten championship, and then they weren't ready for Georgia. The, I, then the year after that, right last year, they go undefeated. They whoop Ohio State in Columbus, win a Big Ten championship, fell flat against TCU. We knew how that how that ended, but back in the college football playoff. Well, and I'm, I'm trying to lay out the ascension of the program here. So up, 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 another, another undefeated season this year that capped off in, well, the thing that only one team in all of college football wins, which is a national championship. And so, yeah, it is, of course, we're going to have to come down a little bit. We we are at the absolute top right now. And it's no slight to Sharon Moore. Um, I think most Michigan fans realize and understand that. Um, I think the challenge, though, is what I, what I was starting to say. It's way easier to be patient and understanding of all of these things in January. But, Brant, you know as well as I know. Come kickoff against Fresno State and and week two comes and you're hosting Texas in the big house. People don't care. Michigan comes out, falls flat on their face against Texas. Like we don't care about the quarterback situation or who Sharon brought in. It's like, well, here we go. 
people will be questioning Sharon more. And and I could be exaggerating a bit. I think some people will give him a little grace, but I'm just preparing people for, yeah, it's just going to be a little bit of a slide from last year. My expectation is to still make the college football playoff. I think that's like the goal right now as I'm heading into the season is like, look, you expand this thing to 12 teams. The standard at Michigan has got to be to make that thing every year. But they could be flirting with the outside of that 12-team playoff, like very realistically. And um, I'm very curious to see who Sharon Moore surrounds himself with, right? Like we know the in-house hires, uh, Ben Herbert's assistant, we know he brought him in. We still don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Sharon said it, basically he's not planning to call the plays again, which I think is a good thing for a first-year head coach. And it, it's just I'm happy. I was happy to hear that. But – Who's he going to bring in? How do you re- how do you replace a Jesse Minter? Are these guys already on staff? Like we hear rumors about Mike Hart leaving. I know he was one. People are like, well, he could step into the OC role. He's never done that job before. We know he's interviewed for head coaching jobs at Mac schools. Like, you know, he he could leave as well. Is is uh, uh, Mike Elson or Steve Klinkscale? These guys on defense. Like, are they ready to step into the defensive coordinator role? I mean. I don't know. We don't know that. We're not in-house. Um, I think one of J- Jim Harbaugh's, the savior of Michigan football, was when he went back to the drawing board and wiped house and started over with a brand new vision, a brand new staff, and all of that. The blueprint's been laid out for you, and that's the one thing Sharon Moore's going to benefit from. I think it's the one thing that helps when you bring in somebody who's, who is in-house, who's been around, who knows the culture, who knows the language, who knows the goals, who... There's just not that period of bringing in a Rich Rod or a Brady Hoke. And, I, and I'm sorry, I hate to even bring those names up. I know it like hurts Michigan fans to even hear those names come up again after what we've experienced under Harbaugh these last three years. But it's not Jim Harbaugh in the first seven years inheriting a program in shambles. It's the opposite of that, which is inheriting a program that is at the top of college football, um, but lost a, a ton of a, a ton of players so um i I'll, I'll let you weigh in brant go ahead i just think that um sharon moore i'm a huge fan of the hire there's nobody else that i wanted to be the head coach at michigan i should say i should say that um am i nervous you better believe it um we went through some dark years as michigan football fans uh i i know he can get the job done can, will he time will tell I am watching very, very closely to see who he surrounds himself with recruiting wise. And then I promise I'll stop talking, Brian. I'll let you weigh in before we shift recruiting wise. I think Sharon Moore is already a better recruiter than Jim Harbaugh ever was. Um, I think you're a spot on Brian. I think he's going to, he, he, he not, he's going to, he already does. He connects with players. He builds relationships. He's approachable. He's, He's just more with it with the times. I mean, the fact of the matter is he's 37 years old and not 60 like Jim, right? Like just that alone is like the the age gap isn't quite there. Um, So I think he'll be okay on that front, but time will tell. I am bracing for a roller coaster ride. Brant, final thoughts here. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. And um, you know, I, I think I think the thing to to mostly remember for next year is Jim Harbaugh did himself a lot of good even in the earlier years when when you weren't winning big games necessarily he beat who he was supposed to beat 
And I think that is something to to take into next year. And Dave, we'll talk about this in August and September or September and stuff like that. Is a lot of Michigan fans are going to give him grace on a Texas loss, um, maybe even an Oregon loss, Ohio State. Like, you know, it, it, to, to Michigan fans, it matters what number is next to your name. You know, it, it's it's maybe okay if you're a seven point dog and you lose by a field goal. You know, that those are going to be understanding losses. Don't start losing to Northwestern. Don't start losing to Rutgers. You can have close games with them, but you can't lose to them. That's that's something Jim Harbaugh made a career out of Michigan at was beating who you're supposed to beat, and that's something that I'm sure we'll get into as as we approach next season, Dave. For strong Brand, the Lions, I mean, man, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, I, <laughs> ugh, gut punch, gut punch. I mean. 24-7 at the half. We know the story. I, I'm, I'm not going to the details of this of this game right now. 27 unanswered points, 30 minutes away from, from truly competing in a Super Bowl against a team that you beat in week one. It seemed like it was teed up. It was a shiny, new Pro V1. Perfect, beautiful day, 70 degrees. Sun was shining. It was teed up for you, man, to go to the Super Bowl. And what did we do? Shank that puppy right wide right right off a tree and the lions fall flat um but let's not get it twisted what an incredible season this isn't this is not the uh you know hang your head podcast right now it, we'll get into the to, to the nitty-gritty of some things brant and i i think are may disagree on some things and that's okay too um but this was a magical season it, it, it was, and I, I don't want. I want to make sure that that's not lost on people, and I don't think it is. I think as the as the days go on from last Sunday, I think it hurts a little bit less. Um, it really hurts a little bit less when you got the news yesterday that Ben Johnson was returning as your offensive coordinator. Outstanding news for Dan Campbell, for these players, for this coaching staff. I had already written Dan, or Ben Johnson off. I thought he was gone. I thought that that was, you know, onto the onto the next guy. Huge loss, but they were going to have to figure it out. It was we were already having the conversations. Can Jared Goff like can he be this good in another system? Like was it just Ben Johnson? Well, we're going to have to wait at least one more year to to answer that question because Ben Johnson's coming back. It's absolutely huge. So while there was massive disappointment against the 49ers, and we are going to get into that here next. Um, some positive news as well. We haven't heard anything about Aaron Glenn. Uh, we, we do know one one opening recently closed. Uh, Mike McDonald, shout out, man, getting his first head coaching job. Uh, go Blue. I absolutely love I'm so happy for him. Aaron Glenn, I mean, I think people are kind of mixed on if if he left and somehow got a head coaching job. I don't think people would be like, oh, my, what are we going to do? You already got people that are are somewhat frustrated with him, but Look, he's been in the system. He's Dan Campbell's guy. And as of right now, the coaching staff is still completely in intact um, with the understanding that, that may change a little bit. Uh, but, Brant, I want to know your thoughts. on. I mean, because I don't want to beat around the bush on this. I think the biggest thing, the biggest topic that has come out after this game is Dan Campbell. And or Dan Gamble, right? As we saw that literally come to fruition, um, and we know what it looks like when it doesn't work out. You've got a, a a pocket of Lions fans that are just absolutely beyond, bit like beside themselves. Take the points, kick the field goals, and another that's like, look, great season. I can't be mad at Dan. 
yada, yada, yada. Brant, I want to know what side you stand on or are you somewhere in the middle? I'm definitely in the middle. And I, I hate to I hate to be that guy because Sunday I was so upset. Um, you know, I really was I really was the guy screaming on fourth and two, go ahead and take the three. Uh you 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 keep pace with them. And that's all I could keep thinking in my mind, Dave, was we're middle of the third quarter. The 49ers had just gotten the ball to get out of the half, and they take five or six minutes off the clock, and they come down and they get stopped for a field goal. The defense does its job. Boom. You get the ball back. You're at your you're at their 28. You got a big decision to make. Dan, I really wish that you would have just trotted out Michael Badgley. Like that was exactly what was going through my mind. And in that moment, I did I did not think, oh, they just lost the game. But you go from three possessions to one possession. If if you do not get this, if you do not get this fourth down, basically, because you knew the 49ers were going to strike back eventually. Eventually, they were going to make enough plays to, to get back in the game. And keeping the three possession lead was everything to me, Dave. That's really what I thought. And Dan called it. He called the right play. Ben Johnson called the right play. Josh Reynolds was open. Just didn't make the play. And that sometimes happens. And that's why I think a lot of Lions fans say, hey, it's not like he called up something that just completely didn't work. He called up a play that actually worked. And Jared Goff executed like Jared Goff always executes. And, um, you know, Josh Reynolds just didn't make the play, and that and that's the way that it went. And we all saw what happened after that. The one thing I, I do want to talk about, though, Dave, is I'm the guy that's screaming, make it a three-possession lead. You have to keep pace with them. That's exactly what you need to do. I was also the guy that was telling him, You've got to go when you're down 27-24. I like that call better. I'm more okay with the second um, with the second uh, fourth down call later in the game. I didn't think you needed to tie the game there. I think you needed to make the statement and and go for it. And so I'm on the fence, Dave. Like the one I would have kicked, the second one I would have uh, I I would have went for it just like he did. I would have never called a run on third down at the end of the game like he did. I thought that was a terrible call. Danny, Dan even mentioned it a little bit. Is yeah, that one. The problem I had with Dan's presser after the game is he had he said he's got no regrets, and I that's where I take issue with Dan Campbell. I've got a major issue with him coming out and saying he's got no regrets. No matter what you do in life, Dave, I think that you can take it away, and it's okay to say I haven't watched the film yet. I'm gonna get back with you. I need to examine all of my calls and and just make a real evaluation and instead of just coming out and saying, I've got no regrets, I would do it again 100 out of 100 times. Nah, that doesn't work for me because that means you're not willing to change. You're not willing to be open to ideas. You're not willing to look at different analytics and, and think, um, you know, maybe the analytics say one thing, but the temperature of the room says, I need to do this differently. I need to keep pace here. This burned me in the past. I'm not going to let it burn me again. And it's okay to have humility. It's okay to be like, hey, maybe I should go back and think about that one again. I've got a major problem with him coming out. And I know it's heat of the moment, but I don't think he should have said what he said after the game about, 
I, I, I've got no regrets on the game. Well, Dan, you just blew a 17-point lead. I sure hope you got some regrets. I don't think he has regrets because that, that's that, all like, I really had for you, Dave. In the moment of these games, you've seen it not even all year. You've seen it the last three years. That's just that's what he does. We have said for multiple years now, it just matters more this year because you're in the playoffs and one game away from the Super Bowl. Is 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 that an issue mm. for you, though? Is that an issue? I guess for I you haven't really thought about no him saying he has no regrets because I heard him say he he didn't say I I have a regret, but he did regret something, and that was the play that you mentioned. That was my biggest frustration was the run and then the timeout being burned because at that point I looked over and told my wife like the game's over. You're not getting an onside kick, so the game's over at that point. Um, I think he did regret that. I think Dan genuinely means what he says when. He says, I, I don't regret those calls because, look, you laid it out perfectly, Brant, in terms – like, I'm with you. So I, I guess I should start with this, okay, because I know I'm going to get criticized by people for what I'm about to say. I don't, I, I would have taken the points. I was, I was with you in the terms of I'm watching the game, like, kick the field goal. Just kick the field goal. Dan didn't kick the field goal. Was I surprised that he didn't? No, because that's just who Dan is. I'm not saying that it was the right decision. Brant, clearly it was the wrong decision because it didn't work. However, am I going to fault the guy for for dialing that up, for drawing it up, for Josh Reynolds to drop that ball there? Like, no, I'm not. Um, I, I'm sure there's, you know, however you want to define regret. Does Dan wish that it would have went a different way? Absolutely. But I don't think he, he does regret that. Um, I think he'd do it all over again. And that scares some people. And I understand that. However, and I know that you hate to hear this, Brant, that is what has helped get the Lions to where they're at. It's the identity of this football team. It's why the players love Dan Campbell. I'm not saying they love his every single decision he makes, but he does it with conviction. He, he trusts his players, and there are some coaches that say it and others who live and breathe it. Dan lives and breathes it. It's how he has command of this locker room. It's why he can cry in front of these guys and just – you could hear you could hear a pin drop in the room. They respect Dan. I'm not making excuses for him. I think he made the wrong call. I do, especially. I mean, everybody could say hindsight's 2020. I felt it in the moment. However, I will take Dan Campbell 100 times out of a 100 than like the majority of the NFL coaches. I just will. You've got a gem in Dan Campbell and his aggressiveness, his just who he is to the core. I don't want to change that. Do now to your point, Brent, because I'm gonna meet you in the middle a little bit. Do I do I hope he grows over the years in terms of that decision making? Absolutely. Um, but am I gonna kill the guy for saying he has no regrets on that? No, because I, I genuinely don't think that that he does. I think that the more he gets into to to these games, into just more games as a head coach. Yeah, sure. I, I hope he evolves, but I hope he also stays true to to, to who he is, man. I mean Look, you watch, listen to every commentator in any Lions game this year. They all have to talk about it. Well, this is Dan Campbell. This is, he's done this more than any coach in the league, and blah, blah, blah. like people know it. Um, but it's all about execution, and you may know it. You may know he's gonna gamble on a fourth and five, or you're like, dude, like punt it or kick the field goal or, or whatever. Stop it, then you know. And and you know what. Josh Reynolds dropped the ball. I know that's one of two that, that I'm talking about, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes the ball falls that way. Look, 
it was the perfect storm. It was those decisions followed up by Vildor getting smoked in the face with the football, weird bounce. IU catches it, thought he scored a touchdown, whatever. They they marched it in right after with Christian McCaffrey. Followed up by a Jameer Gibbs fumble, which is not like him. I mean, it was just once it started to snowball, it snowballed. And and there was no coming back from that. Now, they did have a chance right up to that very end of that game. And that was my fr- frustration was I, f- I did feel like, I want to say Dan choked in the big moment because that, that's not what it was. Um, but that call to run the football, that's like some people say that's a bold call. I think that was a dumb call. Um, I, I just call it that. Like, because if you don't get that, you are either, I mean, first of all, burning that time, even though they didn't get it, just burning that time out in that moment was like, oh, like that's where Dan needs to grow right there of like just the in the moment, like making the decision. And I know that ties in with the other one. I, I think those were more calculated. I think Dan knew all along, right? In those other moments, like, oh, no, we're going for it. I think he 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 stuttered a little bit there at the end of that game, and it cost him. And so I think that's why, it, although he won't use the word regret, I think that's the play he's talking about. And, man, I, I just – I don't want Dan Campbell to, to to change. I don't think anybody does, but I do. I understand your point of um, you want to hear. I don't even call it regret. You want to hear some honest reflection. Is that fair? I do. I yeah, I absolutely do. And I think any, and I think Dan Campbell's the type of guy. Any profession you're in, like any field, it doesn't matter if you're CEO of whatever. You need to sit down and think like. This is what I want. This is what I want to have happen is I want adults to get into a room and say, listen, in the situations that we had in this playoff game, we need to go over. It needs to be talked about and it needs to be assessed. It can't just be Dan, Dan getting up from the table and saying, nope, this is my way or the highway. And I don't even want to discuss it. I think it would be healthy for, for everybody, whether it be the front office or whatever, whoever Dan's closest confidants are, to get with him and just say, all right, Dan, let's bounce some ideas here. Like, whatever. Uh, and, Dave, you touched on the timeout, you know, after I did. But I just – I think that that's one where – did Dan have an analytic in the, his back pocket that said, hey, if I get to third and short here, this seems to work every single time. I have to run the ball. Well – Dan, time and and time and score. Let's go over that real quick. And I know the clock's running. I understand that, but you've got to know <laughs> when there's just a minute and ten seconds left. I can't run the ball. Like it, it, the, the analytic goes out the window because it doesn't apply here because we're under two minutes. Like that needs to be a staple for him and Ben and whoever's in the offensive play playroom. Like that that has got to be a conversation. So. I just I hope that Dan is going to be open to that. And Dave, you already said I'm not going to kill the guy either. Like I, I do think it's lazy when people say this is the reason we're here. Like, no, there was a lot of hard work that went into. You know what I mean? It's just like the overarching theme of like, no, we got to have Dan be aggressive because that's how we got here. No, chill, man. Like it was a it was a part of how you got here because Dan late in the game, <laughs> late in games, it seemed like it worked every single time this year. I would hate to see it go the other way, and all of a sudden it doesn't work every single time next year, and then you kind of have people in the middle. This was a magical year. That's just the bottom line of it. 
Things broke right for the Lions, and they had a magical year. People talking about they're going to be disappointed if they're not in the NFC Championship game next year. This is the NFL, man. Worry about week one. Don't be worrying about the NFC Championship, the Super Bowl. Like, don't set your expectations at NFC Championship levels. Worry about winning the division again. Worry about the up-and-coming Packers. Worry about the Bears. And I need... I know the player's mindset will be week to week to week. But I also think as fans, you kind of have to have that week to week mentality. Like, I hate when people just jump to that in the NFL. Yep, NFC Championship or Buster. I'm throwing away my Lions gear. Chill, man. There's a whole offseason to get through. You got free agency. You have the draft. Like, let this marinate. Let Dan go back to the lab. Let the, let Brad Holmes cook in the draft and let him work yeah. his salary Look, cap numbers. If, Enjoy the offseason. If uh, Lions That's fans that have held on team. to their Lions gear for the last, like, 60 years didn't burn it then, nobody's burning it now um, after this awesome season. And, yeah, I, I, I think that kind of puts a bow on this because you're right, Brant. Winning in this league is hard. I said it last episode before they play the 49ers. The Lions will have a better football team top to bottom next year. Then the the team that we just watched that we all know and love right now and not get it done. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to make the NFC championship. Doesn't mean they're going to be 30 minutes away from a Super Bowl. Like there's a lot that has to go right for you. Um, unless you are Tom Brady and the Patriots, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like there are, there are exceptions to every rule, but look at the Buffalo Bills. Okay. They got Good fo- good football team, yeah, but like every year it's like they get to the same spot and just can't get it done. And so I'm not setting up people for disappointment or to let expectations down. Um, Dan Campbell said it best. Like I loved what he said. He Some people got it twisted saying that, look, we may never get back here. That He's not saying they're not going to, okay? But I loved what he said. This is going to be twice as hard. We're going to have to put in twice as much work to get back here. People got our number now, right? Like, it's about it's not the Cinderella story of oh my gosh the Lions the first time in 30 years and nope all that's out the window the goalposts have moved right it's moved for the fan base it's moved for other teams the Packers the Bears the Vikings they want your head right now right worry I love what you said Brant worry about week one worry about winning the division take it week by week um do you do those things with this formula and this coaching staff that appears to be pretty well intact? I think it's going to lend itself to another run in the playoffs. I do. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but this is a very, very good football team in a very, very special season. And that is certainly not lost on me. Brant, your final thoughts here before we get out of it. Yeah, I do want to touch on what Dan said about that too because I think that's important because you've got to understand, and if you've just started paying attention to the Lions, then maybe you wouldn't understand this. Dan is an NFL guy. Dan's been in the league forever. He played in the league. He's coached in the league. He's he's coached tight ends. Like He's played as a tight end. Dan knows how hard it is to get where they just got to. And him having that understanding I think is so crucial to be able to tell these guys, look, man. I've been in this thing for 20 years. That really was special. And if you want to get back, you're going to have to, like you said, like you said, work twice as hard because you know what? He's been in locker rooms where guys probably haven't worked as hard the next year. Probably thought, Hey, we got the dudes to get this done. Nah, that other team over there, they're hungrier. 
they're hungrier than you and trying to keep that going. That's why I think he's the perfect guy for this city. He's the perfect guy for, for this franchise and don't get it twisted. Just cause I think Dan's got to improve on some stuff. He's still the perfect guy for this job. And I absolutely build the statue. I'm, I'm ready and, for um, it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm, look, we, we've got a lot here on, on garage stakes to get into over the next few weeks. I know it's, uh, you know, heading into to February here and, you know, people are, some of you may feel like you need a break from football. Others are like depressed just thinking about football being over. And I am one of those. Um, and so look, some of you, we know we are starving for, for this kind of content and you want to hop in and still hear about Michigan football. You want to hear about lions, all of it. Look, we're going to be bringing it to you. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lions. We got to talk about their, their cap space, what they're going to do with it, who they're going to resign, what they should resign them for, um, who's going to be available this year to improve this roster immediately. And then of course, you know, I think the most beautiful part of this offseason is we're going to be talking about the, a late first round pick and who might be there, which is a way more of a crapshoot than uh, having a top five pick every year and debating who, who should go there. So there's a lot of good stuff to get into. Do us a huge favor. Hit that like, follow, subscribe button, especially if you're over here on the YouTube channel. Hop in those comments as well. We greatly appreciate it. We look forward to being back next time. Be safe. Be well. Riverside.